0: Psalm 121. I will lift my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? Let me just put something in here by way of explanation. In the ancient world, not just in Israel but everywhere, the safe places were the towns that had walls around them. That's why in one of the ascent psalms, you find the psalmist saying, I go from strength to strength, meaning stronghold to stronghold. And so I lift my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? Because that's where the bandits are. So now let me go back to verse 1 and read that again. I lift my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Let's pray. Did you record that part of the... <laughs> okay. It's my fault. I should have given you the right wave. Okay, I didn't know it was going to get long either. I didn't hear that. Okay. Philippians Philippians chapter 2 verse 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that I also may encouraged when I know your state for I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served me in the gospel. Therefore I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly." Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed, he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly, that when you see him again you may rejoice, and that I may be less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem, because for the work of Christ he came close to death not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me the title of this sermon is fellow servants philippians 2:19 to 30 the title of this sermon is fellow servants, part two. Because what Paul is saying here is part B of what he's been saying to them. We are to be servants of one another, servants of one another. We are to love one another, love one another. The core attribute of every authentic Christian is to be love, love. And that's not just a word of emotion in the New Testament love is an active reality in how we serve and treat one another we're to always whenever we come together as a body of believers actually every place we go when we go into the store when we go to work when how can i best serve my fellow believers in this time together? How can I best serve the other customers wandering around in the grocery store? Will, Lord, will you open a door for me to serve someone else? Open up a gospel door or open up some other opportunity for me to be a servant at my place of employment. How can I best serve my employer, but also my fellow laborers? How can I be a servant? And by the way, if you are being that servant, if you're fulfilling, fulfilling that job description And God's kingdom, the higher and higher and higher you will go in God's esteem and in the way the New Testament church is supposed to work is it's an upside-down pyramid. <laughs> Jesus You know, you see these pyramid forms uh, uh, both in the military and in job sites and all this, and here's the boss and all these people below. Yes, that's a fine thing, but in the Christian realm, it's it's upside down. Jesus is at the pinnacle of the pyramid, but at the bottom, it's turned upside down. He's carrying, who is the one who strengthens us? Who is our servant of servants? It's our Lord Jesus. He didn't stop serving us at the cross. He is right now our intercessor, our high priest, the one who enables us, strengthens us. He is with us. He is with us. We can't see him, but he is, is present with us as if we could see him beside us. He is beside us in all of the fullness of who he is. And we are to be as best we can, by his Holy Spirit's enabling power, replicas of that. And that's the message that Paul has been speaking to the Philippians. By the way, he is also very heartened by the fact that he has seen that carried out in the life of that congregation, the people in that region of Philippi. They probably are several congregations by this time. But he's seeing that servant leadership on the part of their people. And then he speaks to them about, uh, he's under house arrest in Rome as he writes this letter, and a man who is living with him there to serve Paul is someone they know because he when Paul Paul had before Paul went to Philippi, and if you'll remember when we read about three weeks ago, we read Acts chapter sixteen, which is the entire narrative about how Paul got sent, commanded to go to eat to Greece, to Macedonia. And Paul had already met this fellow Timothy, in the, in the in the area of Lystra and Derby, which is modern day Asia Minor, modern day Turkey. And he had already met him. Timothy had already joined the band of Paul's disciples and companions in ministry. And then they went to Philippi together. There were several of them that went there. And so they're familiar with this fellow Timothy because he had ministered with them and to them. And Paul says... But I trust in the Lord to send Timothy to you shortly. I really want to say he's been with me. I really want to send him to you. Why? Because he can continue, resume his work of service among you. I want to send Timothy to you shortly that you may be encouraged when you know When I know your, that I may be also may be encouraged when I know your state. He will then report back to me. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. What is sincerity? That is clean motives. He will not be serving you to ultimately serve himself. He will be serving you to serve you period. He will be doing it with sincerity, no false motives. I trust in the Lord to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state, because he will report back to me. He will go minister to you for a time and then come back to me. For I have no one like minded who will sincerely care for your state. I trust his motivation, and I certainly know his capability. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. Just a few minutes ago, we prayed for the condition of the church in America. And I'm, if you look at the church as a whole, I'm talking about all the uh, declared so-called Christian. I'm talking about the denominations that have jumped off a left-wing cliff. All, if you look at all of these People who declare themselves to be Christians, frankly, I would have to say that well over 50% of them are false disciples. They're not authentic. And it may be a much larger percentage than that. We don't know. You don't know the full reality of me. I don't know the full reality of you. We don't know the full reality. Only the Lord Jesus God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit know the full reality. But even in Paul's day, you had people coming into the church who were there for only their own sakes, not the sake of serving Christ as they serve their brothers and sisters. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely, without, without false motivation, care for your state for all seek their own not the things which are of christ jesus but you know his proven character he mer he served among you he ministered among you you know his proven character that as a son with his father he served with me in the gospel when paul met timothy timothy was already a jesus follower and he already had a good reputation in the churches in derby and lystra but his father her, excuse me his mother was a jewish woman who had come to faith in christ his father was a greek who hadn't and so because of that that was part of the reason paul took Timothy, who already had a good reputation as a disciple, he took Timothy under his wing and began to father Timothy, began to do for him what could have been expected of Timothy's own father if his father had been an authentic disciple of the Lord Jesus. For you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. I don't know what's coming next in my present imprisonment. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. I'm expecting to be released shortly. And he was released. He was set free from this. What happened? Why was he there in Rome at all? He was there because he had been a prisoner over in the Middle East, and he was uh, the new governor of the Jews that had been sent by the Romans. The Jewish religious leadership said, hey, we want you to send that fellow uh, (coughs) (coughs) Paul to Jerusalem for his trial, for all of the wicked things that he's done, the laws that he's broken. And the new governor, wanting to please those fellows, uh, said yes, and that's when Paul, being a Roman citizen, exercised a right that he has had as a Roman citizen and said, okay, I am appealing to Caesar. I will be tried before the emperor himself. And they had to, his being a Roman citizen, meant they had to approve and they had to, at their own expense, send him to Rome. And we have this long, long narrative of the treacherous sea. C- journey from that area to Rome shipwrecks and all kinds of things going on but he got to Rome successfully but why did he had found out the Jews were wanting to kill him and so he had made that appeal to Caesar well after about three years we know from Christian history because at the end of the book of Acts he's still under imprisonment in Rome when the book of Acts ends but after about three years The charges never made it across the Mediterranean to the emperor, and the emperor said, I'm done with this. (laughs) Let the guy go. Besides that, he's subverting the whole Praetorian guard by sharing the gospel with them. At the end of this letter, he's going to say, the members of Caesar's household send you greetings. And the emperor sure didn't want people who weren't worshiping him, (laughs) surrounding him, so he will let Paul go, and it may be that Paul was able to get to Philippi. But we do know that Paul's actually ultimate goal was to get to Spain. He tells the Romans that, well, several years before this letter is written, he tells in his letter to the Romans, he said, I want to come to you while on my way to Spain. So, And the word is that he actually did make it to Spain after his release from his house arrest. Therefore, I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Yet, I considered it necessary because I, I'm, I would like to send him. I would like to come myself, but I can't get away, obviously. And I wanted to keep him here with me. And so... Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Epaphroditus was the man who brought their help from the Philippian church. They sent probably financial help to Paul in the care of Epaphroditus. And Epaphroditus came to Rome, brought that help, and, of course, brought prayer and emotional uplifting to the Apostle Paul by his presence, I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, my fellow worker and fellow soldier. What's the the title of this sermon? Fellow Servants, Part 2. Fellow Worker, Fellow Soldier. But your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, the one who brought your help to me. And he came, and not just by bringing that, but also by what he's done, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. And so I want to send him back so you can see that your prayers were answered, our prayers were answered, and God brought him to full recovery. And so it's in fact Epaphroditus is carrying this letter to the Philippians. Since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick, for indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him and not only on him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I want you to notice this, sorrow upon sorrow. Paul has been glorying. In this letter, he has been glorying in the Lord Jesus Christ. He has been glorying in the way in which God governed his his way to come to Rome. He's been glorying in what God has done through him since he came to Rome because these praetorians, guards, soldiers have had to come and be chained to him on a regular basis. What do you think he's filling their ears with? The gospel. The least accessible people in the Roman Empire have got to come and sit with Paul, take turns, and they're being reached with the gospel. But, at the same time, all this glory is taking place. Sorrow upon sorrow. Paul is not in the most pleasant circumstance. He is in chains. He's being chained to these praetorian guardsmen. It's not the most pleasant circumstance. Sorrow upon sorrow upon sorrow. But, in this is what is promised to us that we can have joy in the midst of pain. We can have joy in the midst of pain. We have people right now in this congregation, this one lady we prayed for with her pain condition, I was absolutely, totally, About five weeks ago, she was here. She gave a private testimony to me. I was blown away by this lady who's been through several years of incessant pain expressing the joy that she has in the Lord. I'm like, what? This is outrageous. This is magnificent. We have a lady here right now that's going through this health issue with her heart. She's the picture of joy. (laughs) Is she going through testing right now? Absolutely. But we, as Jesus' disciples, as Jesus' saved ones, as the children of God, we get joy. Joy can be ours in the midst of the pain. And so it was with the apostle but he wasn't a, he wasn't unusual that is the inheritance of all God's people For indeed he was sick almost unto death but God had mercy on him and not only on him but also on me lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow therefore I sent him to you sent him the more eagerly that when you see him again, you may rejoice. Yay, we got Epaphroditus back. And then Epaphroditus fills their ears with the testimonies, not only of the letter that he's carrying, but other things that he can tell them that he experienced while ministering there to and with Paul. That you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem because for the work of Christ, for the work of Christ, he came close to death. Not regarding his life. The number one agenda item on the to-do list of Epaphroditus, the number one agenda item was serving his Lord Jesus Christ, serving the apostle and thus serving the Lord, serving a servant of God, loving God was at the top of his to-do list. He came close to death, not regarding his life setting his own physical continuing on this planet, that was secondary to serving Christ. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem, because for the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his life. Self-preservation was not at the top of his to-do list. Jesus serving was at the top, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Now, he's not being critical of the Philippians there. He's just saying, we all had, everybody in the Philippian church had a desire to do what Epaphroditus did. They couldn't all make the same voyage. Epaphroditus came as their representative and served them, and lacking, and to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. The need that you knew that I had, that you sent him, and the gifts with him to supply, he's done that, and we thank you for that. We thank him for that. It almost cost him his life, but he was glad to serve Christ, even if it would cost him his life. Ladies and gentlemen, that is not an orientation that is native to any human being. That is a God, the Holy Spirit, enablement. One moment to the next moment to the next moment to the next moment. We need to be continually crying out. what is What was Epaphroditus' prayer? What was Timothy's prayer? What was Paul? Lord, make use of me in the lives of other people. Give me opportunity, I ask, and the the wisdom and the energy and the faith to follow through. But most of all, the love to follow through and be an authentic servant. That's, what, that's the big message of this letter, that we are to be servants of our Lord Jesus Christ as we are servants of those around us. And all God's people said, amen. Our Lord, Left to ourselves, none of us is up to this. But you don't leave us to ourselves. You granted to us the indwelling of the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit. He dwells within us. You, Jesus, are interceding for us. You are our shepherd. You are beside us. God the Holy Spirit is in us. We are asking that you would enable us this week to walk in the reality of what Paul has expressed. Let me take that back, what the Holy Spirit expressed through Paul's pen. We ask that you will give us reason seven days from now to give praise to you because of something we saw you do this week. We ask this of you, good shepherd Jesus, and all God's people said, amen. And we will close.